Welcome to Entrepreneurial Entrails for some short stories on the guts and glories of being an entrepreneur. Hey, it's Elizabeth Plouffe with Entrepreneurial Entrails, and I'm bringing you uh, live and in person um, Wise Word Wednesdays. And Wise Word Wednesdays is all about the business book and the happiness of reading about business. So this week's book is Pitch Anything by Orrin Claff, and I'm sure most of you have heard of it. And if you haven't, honest to God, it's a good book. Add it to your collection. Uh, Orrin Claff, um, the title of the book is An Innovative Method for Presenting, Persuading, and Winning the Deal. And I sort of took it with a grain of salt because I had done pitch practices and I had run them actually for other people. Um, but it was a highly recommended book by somebody that I respected. So I thought, all right, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to give it a shot and give it a read. And it's it's really an incredible book. It ended up helping me to create like a 14 page document, which that's not the exciting part. But the exciting part was it helped me work through how to pitch my business correctly and how to have the story available so that I could clearly and succinctly outline the value to people of what I was doing. Now, since I created that document and read the book the first time, my business has pivoted and changed, partly in response to what I discovered by going through this process. So highly recommend that you have a look at this. And one of the, the way he starts off, the first uh, three or four chapters of the book teach you about not the pitch process but the receiving process because every time you're putting your story out there somebody needs to listen to it or hopefully somebody needs to listen to it but you need to understand what that person's going through especially if they are a decision maker when they're listening to your story so he talks about the disconnect between message and receiver and I'll, uh, I'll read you what he says here. He says, I learned from molecular biologist Craig Smucker, that's an unfortunate name, that when we pitch something, an idea, product, deal, or whatever, the highest level of our brain, the neocortex, is doing the work. It's the neocortex that is forming ideas, putting them into language, and presenting them. That's fairly intuitive. He has a little block here. And he says, three brains working independently and together. You can actually sense how the three parts of your brain work separately from each other. When you are walking to your car and surprised by someone shouting, you will first act reflexively with some fear. This is the old crocodile survivor brain at work. Then you will try to make meaning from the situation by identifying the person doing the yelling and placing him or her in a social context. This is your midbrain trying to determine if it is a friendly coworker, an angry parking attendant, or something worse. Finally, you will process the situation in the neocortex, the problem-solving brain, which figures out it's okay, it's just some guy yelling out to his buddy across the street. Our thought process exactly matches our evolution. First survival, then social relationships, finally problem-solving. And then he goes on to say, pitching anything means explaining abstract concepts. So it doesn't surprise me that ideas would be formed by the most modern problem-solving part of the brain. But this is exactly where my thinking, and probably yours, went off track. I assumed that if my idea-making abilities were located in the neocortex, as they are, then that's where people listening to my pitch were processing what I had to say. It's not. And here's the interesting thing that probably most people don't know. 
while we are pitching our business, our service, our product with the problem solving logical part of our brain, people who are receiving the message are subconsciously assessing it for threat. They are assessing us as a threat and not like you're going to bash their head in or what have you. But what do they have to navigate? What do they have to learn? What are the risks of taking, you know, buying your product or service or what have you? And when anybody is in fear mode or when you have not taken the time to get them out of fear mode and into decision making mode, it's going to be an automatic no. Whenever we are in a position where we are evaluating a risk situation and we're not given the opportunity, hopefully anyway, unless you've got, you know, some kind of risk fetish, um, your immediate reaction is survival and is no. So if somebody says to you, hey, you know, let's go jump off a bridge, woohoo, everybody's doing it. Most people will stop and evaluate that, you know, from a protective perspective, not a great idea and they're going to say no. Others, not so much, but you know, that's how they end up dead and on the news. This, however, is really integral to when you're trying to sell your business or product and when you're having that conversation. And likewise, if you are delivering from a place of fear, if you are in a place where your business isn't doing well and you're anxiety ridden and fear ridden and you are projecting that, people will react with fear. Nobody's going to win in that situation. And if you take the time to read this book, get through the stuff at the beginning where he talks about the brain processes, get through the stuff at the beginning where he talks about framing, which is a really interesting concept that I'm still trying to grasp because there, part of the framing process is about power. And there are a variety of ways that people will try and get into and maintain the power position in a relationship. And that's everything from not returning your call within a reasonable amount of time to making you wait for a meeting for 20 minutes to within an, a presentation if they're interrupting you or arguing with you or what have you. Those are all ways for them to manage their fear of the situation. And I'm not talking they're scared silly or anything, but new situations can cause a little anxiety for most people. And this is a way for them to maintain the equilibrium and the pace or the place of them being in power. So he talks about types of uh, frame responses, which is a power busting frame, a time constraining frame, an intrigue frame, and then the fourth one is a prize frame. The power busting frame is where you have to be willing to walk away if somebody's trying to keep you waiting or what have you, or shock them out of a behavior that they're in. The time constraining frame is I can meet you at this time, I can meet you for this long, and if you can't, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to move on to the next person who can. The intrigue frame is coming from a place of a little bit of mystery in what you're doing, and um, I need to read up again on that, I'm sorry, but I'm having a moment. And then the prize frame um, is where you offer, you know, not a buy now, save later kind of situation, but there's a bonus if they go with what you're doing. It's definitely something that I need to reread. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. When I got to the fourth chapter, and I'm going to wrap it up shortly because you really need to read this book, um, Pitching Your Big Idea. This is where I started to take a ton of notes because throughout the chapters, he suggests a variety of things that you need to look at. 
and where does it start for me? It starts with the why now frame. And this is where you start looking at the history of your industry. And I don't mean in depth or anything like that, but why is your particular product or service coming into its own now? Why is it more important than ever for somebody to have what you're doing versus what somebody else is doing? Trend casting, you know, um, what are you solving? What's coming up that you're going to solve? All these important things. Uh, I can keep going here. Um, so here's, here's a little thing here. It says, describe the genesis of your idea, how it evolved, and the opportunity you saw as it was emerging. The backstory of the idea is always interesting to the target. Once the story is told, everything you say in your pitch will be legitimate, le sorry, legitimatized by it which is absolutely, this is why I love statistics and this is why I love having the research done and this is what this helps you do. So you have the backstory and people understand that you're not flying by the seat of your pants. Never a good idea. As you craft your backstory, think in terms of how it came to be, where it is today and how you found it. Describe the steps in its evolution and show how it evolved, how it moved to finally becoming the opportunity you have now identified and captured. The three basic steps are, Explain the most important changes in your business, forecast the trends, identify important developments both in your market and beyond. Talk about the impact of these developments on costs and customer demand. Explain how these trends have briefly opened a market window. Goes on to give examples and uh, the rest of the book supports continuing with that process and I was able to identify a whole new set of markets and um, why I was doing what I was doing. What this does for you, and this one's going a bit long, but what this process can do for you is not only identify new opportunities and things you hadn't considered, and I guarantee you if you go through the process, you will think differently about what you're doing. It also gives you that confidence because you've done the research and created the backstory. You don't have to hem and haw in, in front of your pitch. Bad thing to do. If you look uncertain, about your business or your story, how is that going to inspire people to believe in you? And how are you going to get beyond that crocodile brain and get into the neocortex where the problem solving happens? Because that's where the decision happens, people. If you're sitting, if your pitch is sitting in, not, not you pitching, sorry, but if the person you're pitching to is sitting in fear for your entire presentation, you're screwed. You're going nowhere. But if you've done this work, if you've used this book, uh, to create your backstory and, and do the work. I'm telling you, it just goes so much easier. I'm still working on it. I was reading this book while I was putting together two businesses. So I was a little split. I am now solely focused on my communications business. I am going to go back through the book, do the process again, and I'm going to make freaking sure that my backstory is rock solid for what I am offering to people. So from me to you, Pitch Anything by Orrin Claff. It's a fantastic book. It's a bit of a slog, I'll be completely honest with you, but it's worth it. Get your pen and paper out. If you're struggling at all in your business, you will be inspired to use the tools that he's talking about. It's worth more than one read, which I'm going to do. And, uh, and that's pretty much it on the book. Go and have a look. But just remember, you know that you have the guts and glory to make your own story. And now you have the tool to make your backstory solid. Have a fantastic day and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.